0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Time to bury the tired narrative, the narrative. And uncover stories not typically heard. But stories that need to be heard. Right or wrong. Life or death. This isn't your typical law show. This is Big Angry Law. With Charles Big Angry Adams. On KPRC 950. Now, Charles Adams.
1: Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me tonight, this Monday night. I was very busy last week, so I did not do a show on Thursday or Friday, which... Made me miss some big topics like Senate floor sex. And I'm sure I think tonight will just be all stuff I'm irritated about. There was also a reporter hired by our local new online version of the newspaper called the Cron, as opposed to the Houston Chronicle. And Houston Chronicle employees have been claiming they are two absolutely different entities that are owned by the same company are the same company in the same building. So, anyhow, I don't know. We'll we'll get there. This whole show will be about stuff that is irritating the hell out of me. I want to start with $470,000 spent by the Houston Independent School District's new state-appointed superintendent, for those not from Houston. HISD, although I absolutely some very good teachers that work at the district is doing a miserable job on multiple fronts. It's doing a miserable job, keeping children safe from other students in the classroom. It is doing a horrible job at discipline. It's doing a horrible job educating students. It is just failing in every way. And that is why I am a tremendous supporter of allowing parents to take their tax dollars elsewhere. And I don't mean the private school. This is where I disagree with most conservatives. I think you don't need to underfund the public system by diverting tax dollars away. If people want to send their kids to private school, they just need to pay it like I did. However, I think that there has to be a guillotine. There has to be a cost and consequence to failing students and I think allowing students to go to different school districts are quasi-public magnet schools. Well, absolutely. Absolutely should be because if enough kids leave, it'll force that school district to shrink. It'll force that school district to greatly rethink what they're doing, and it'll have a cost and consequence. And, of course, that was what was sold by the Republican Party on this superintendent. Bring this superintendent in, appointed by the state, not the nefarious HISD board and those running it that seem to be only interested in how they can best provide themselves a lucrative job at the end of their public service, while also many of the higher-ups getting paid incredibly handsomely in HISD while doing such an incredibly bad job. But, well, you know, this this conservative uh, Republican socialism, as some people like to refer to it, is spend, spend, spend with one hand while wagging your finger at Democrats for spending at the other. And what am I talking uh, talking about? Well, Mike Miles, who was the appointed superintendent, had a, a convocation of some sort to begin the school year at Houston's Central Convention Center, which is the NRG Center. Spent an unbelievable amount of money to do what some teachers saw as a slightly offensive musical number, and apparently was marred by a chaotic, uh, according to the Houston Chronicle, marred by a chaotic scene there disorganization. People are already pissing and moaning about that. But that struck me as, well, those that are mad about accountability and change, well, they're going to be upset, and they're going to condemn whatever is being done. But more information came out, $470,000 they spent on this event for the staff. Now, when here, here's the, the ISD response is that four hundred seventy thousand dollars represents 002 percent of the district's two point two billion dollar budget, and only two percent, according to the Chronicle, of its leadership and professional development budget for the year. Oh, so it's 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 practically free. It's 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 a write off. What is that? That S word, Creek, S-C-H, I don't want to say it. A great scene where the, the son was, going, "Oh, it's a write-off. Oh, it's just a write-off. Well, well, dad was like, well, what does that mean? Because the kid just thought that meant it was free. Well, that was a big, giant event where they squander taxpayer dollars. They minimize it by saying, oh, well, we, but we have such a huge budget. And their response, here's the quote in the Chronicle. The return on that kind of investment to celebrate our educators can be seen in every campus around the district. That was from the spokesman, Joseph Sam. But of course he knows that's not true, right? He knows that a number of people walked away, a great number of people walked away irritated by the whole event. Uh, The Chronicle pointed out that while they try to minimize that number, they actually only spent something like $365,000 on a program to seek certification the year before to bring professionals into the classroom. So it's more important to throw a lackluster party for employees at the beginning of the year. And oh there was all kind of pay for setup all and that's the whole thing. That's the whole rub, right? Is that when people get the purse strings of something like school district. They look for ways to spend money and direct that money to cronies. That is the whole scandal with our current County judge and COVID funding that has seen now a second round of indictments for everyone on her team, top tier team, except her. Well, three, the three leaders. And it's, it's insane. At some point, We have to start talking about how much taxpayer dollars are funded or lining the pockets of private interests that are doing things like consulting and throwing events and traveling that aren't going towards educating students or whatever purpose, whatever entity is set up. And it's just gotten out of control. And it's time for us all to start screaming about it. We'll be back.
0: Big Angry law. Charles Adams on KPRC 950.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to stick with the things I'm irritated about in Houston genre. I want to talk about the new universal basic income plan that is being set up by Harris County. Our County Commissioner, Rodney Ellis, often accused of corruption, is behind it, alongside our County Judge, Lena Hidalgo, also often accused of corruption. We are waiting to see, as we transition mayors, we're waiting, there's a bunch of whispers about pending federal investigations and corruption there. But we're going to start a universal basic income program, which of course is not that. They use that term to pretend things are universal when they're absolutely not. It's for families that are at 200%, less than 200% of the federal poverty line. So if you make double the poverty line, you qualify 1,900 families will be paid a monthly benefit of $500 with a... The, the pilot program is being funded to the tune of $20.5 million that is from the American Rescue Plan Act, you know, federal tax dollars. And, well, you know... Well, you know. I mean, it's it's 2023, so, of course, this has to be implemented in a, a non-race-neutral manner, right? Because poverty only matters if you check the right boxes in America today. So how are they achieving that? Well, they're targeting zip codes. And those zip codes they're targeting are designed to allow for incredible racial disparities in the provision. I mean, they could just go, okay, countywide, everyone that meets this criteria apply. We know that's not happening. We know that's not the case. Instead, they've given a list of zip codes that are designed, and and the the county judge has been very open about her desire to focus on non-white Americans when doling anything out because, of course, that's okay now. And this is actually something that's been going on. This is, is completely publicly funded. So it it's, it's trying to be allegedly race neutral with the zip codes. I would be shocked if someone didn't file a lawsuit because clearly it is not. When you look at the de- demographics of the selected zip codes, and the argument could be, "Oh well, white people don't live in poverty in Harris County," but of course, that's absolutely not true. So, well, the way others, especially in California, what they've done is they've they've handed off the ball of universal basic income pilot programs to to private nonprofits, but funded those nonprofits with with at least partially with taxpayer dollars. And the argument there is, oh well we can do this this universal basic income, this non-universal universal basic income program for just people of color, just people that are identify as trans or LGBTQIA. We can do this because it is private expenditures being decided by a private entity to incorporate bias or bigotry or whatever you want to call it into the program. Now, of course, still not okay if they're using federal dollars, but you're probably not going to find anyone that cares on the West Coast unless you get all the way to the United States Supreme Court, which is the likelihood of that infinitesimally small. But this has been what we've been witnessing for the last couple of years is using the term universal, using the term stimulus, doing all of these things, like the small business stimulus, actually, because it incentivized the banks to give larger loans. It actually incentivized them to treat big businesses like small businesses so they could put more money in their pocket. Screw the little guy. And of course, this universal basic income, same way. Screw the working class, especially if the working class happens to be white or Asian. And in fact, if, if Trump hadn't got hadn't had so many Supreme Court appointments, if you read the dissents of Sotomayor, well, just the little legion, the little group on the left of the Supreme Court, they're 100% okay with contravening the constitutional prescriptions of race-based bias being woven into the law now as as long as it's again directed at caucasians because of historical grievances and and the truth is like i am on you know i i recognize that the republican party is just as socialist as the democratic party they just they're corporatists they just hand out money to corporations and banks and other They're far more evil people than the evil Democrats want to hand money out to. And a lot of Republicans don't recognize that. And it's repugnant. It's just so incredibly dishonest. But I would support a true universal basic income program. As I've talked about on the show before, the majority of tax dollars spent, federal tax dollars and state, spent on welfare are spent on the bureaucracy of welfare. The majority, which is absolutely insane. should take all that money, eliminate all of those positions, all of them, which would result in an immediate benefit to the bottom line of both state and federal budgets. But more importantly, it would deliver a benefit to all Americans. Everyone, everyone. He so, well, wouldn't they be spending more money? Yes, on benefits, but nothing on the bureaucracy or damn near nothing but one person, an automated mailing system or deposit system. It would just make far more sense, and maybe it would allow people, you know, some people just go out there and buy booze and drugs and further screw up their life, but a great number of people would try to push the ball forward got an argument yesterday off camera uh, when, or not yesterday, Saturday, when I was filming Greg Grugan's show, What's Your Point, for Fox 26, as a panel show. We are filming it for the New Year's Eve day or New Year's Day, someday in the future, and it's a debate. But before we started, people were talking about their children, and, and I made the point that I think it makes sense to continue to support your children until they reach their goals if you have the wherewithal because it is such an impediment, right, to, to actually going and achieving. I saw that as a young Houstonian when so many people would get, be lost in the, the, the restaurant and bar industry because it would make just enough to get by, but it kind of flatlines. And it, it's like a trap. And every one of my kids working in that. You know, me working, and I worked in that industry, and then as a police officer, it's, it's very hard to go to school. It's very hard to focus on achieving your goals. It derailed me several times. And the truth is that if you have the wherewithal that you should give, you know, a carrot and stick, but give them every opportunity to achieve their, their goals. And. Another panelist vehemently disagreed, but I think her disagreement was by design because she couldn't afford to do that. I don't know. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to Big Angry Law on KPRC 950.
1: Song two Charles Adams, Big Anger Radio, nine fifty AM KPRC, thank you for listening. This Monday night when I went to break, I was running out of time to talk about my thoughts on universal basic income. I want to hit that and then move on. I do think if we eliminated the bureaucracy, if we eliminated any application process, just said here, everyone gets this. One, it doesn't exclude the people actually paying taxes. Like the COVID benefits did. For almost the COVID stimulus, it went to the very wealthy and then the very poor, most of them on benefits, so they never missed a check. And it was just absurd how it was structured. And that's what our government does. It it saves the businesses of the post monetary, you know, when they make when the banks make bad bets or something. And it provides for you know, obviously it provides for the disabled, but we have so many people in our system that have this non-disability disability that gets them a check, both in the, the public and in the the military systems. It's, it's almost obscene how much malingering is going on, and no one wants to talk about it because it's a, considered a third rail politically. I don't care. I mean, I think we should take care of our disabled veterans. I don't think we should be Helping them with scripts so they can say the magic words so they can get a free check despite working and their income for the rest of their lives. The same thing goes you can get social security disability if you're both sad and dyslexic. Well that's insane. You can still work. And so why not? Why not just give a benefit to everyone? And, and allow, eliminate all of those bureaucracies, all the costs associated, the bureaucracies on both cost far more than the benefits delivered. And tell all Americans, hey, you get this. You know, you, could, you can eke out a meager life with this, or you can use this to supplement your income to allow you to achieve your goals and dreams. But that, of course, isn't what we do. Another thing we're doing now in America is the crappy people are always the victims. I want to read a LinkedIn post from a former legislative aide to the United States Senate. In fact, Ben Cardin, Senator Cardin from Maryland, is aide Aiden Mays Sieropsky. He posted this just a few days ago. This has been I'm reading now. This has been a difficult time for me, as I have been attacked for who I love to pursue a political agenda while some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment. I love my job, and I would never disrespect my workplace. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated, and I will be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. As for the accusations regarding Congressman Max Miller, I have never seen the congressman and have no opportunity or cause to yell or confront him. Here we'll start at the back and move our way forward. There was an allegation that this young man, while Congressman Max Miller was doing an interview at the Capitol, that he yelled out support for Gaza interrupting the congressman. Now, the congressman has made some comments, like the need, he suggested the need to turn Gaza into a parking lot. He's a stridently supporter of Israel. But yelling to a, he just interrupting it all, but yelling at a Jewish congressperson about Gaza, germane to nothing. Well, that seems a bit anti-Semitic. Now, he is denying it, but the congressman's office is apparently not. And they're saying they immediately, he's absolutely saying that they identified him and contacted his office, but were rebuffed. I don't know the truth, but if you take that with his other behaviors, he talks about not disrespecting his workplace. He, he put a social media post of him bent over as if he is about to receive anal sex, this is the legislative aide, Aiden Mays-Saropsky. And apparently said on the post, waiting for Lindsey Graham in the work showers. That seems, one, disrespectful, and two, if he wasn't actually waiting for Senator Graham to engage in a homosexual conduct. It seems, it always shocks me when people of the LGBTQ community attack people as if being gay is a slur and an insult. It's a weird, self-loathing homophobia, but absolutely inappropriate. And what's even more interesting is that apparently his office was aware of his inappropriate postings because he when he got his last promotion he was told to cool or calm down his social media presence well it appears and although I wasn't present there is video widely circulating of him having sex the the catcher not the pitcher you can't see the identity of the other man On the floor of a Senate office is wearing some what appeared to be maybe male lingerie. I don't know. I didn't watch the video. I've seen some stills. It's disgusting. But it would be disgusting. Whoever's a heterosexual homosexual. Anal sex on the floor of the Senate. Well, that would qualify as disrespecting your workplace. But he somehow had the audacity, despite all of this, to write, I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated. I'll be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. One, truth is a defense. Two, people can state their opinion like you're a disgusting human being. But it's it's this rush, oh I'm the victim here. I'm the oh I'm the one that did something horrible but I'm the victim. It's like when employees make a huge mistake and then get upset as if they're the victims because it's pointed out or children or anyone. It's insane. But another example of this is another Houston story it pertains to a journalist who was hired from a Baton Rouge newspaper to write about the Houston Astros and sports culture here in Houston by cron.com which is the online presence. Apparently, according to the Houston Chronicle, staffers have been posting loosely associated with the Houston Chronicle. As in, same company, different parts, same building. Also... Journalism with air quotes. But the problem is, and someone sent me this off of Reddit and asked what I thought, and instead I just posted something instead of just responding in a direct message. But what they initially sent me was this image of someone named Corey Mose posting in October during the the, the ALCS. It's time for people to stop hating on Altuve and just appreciate his greatness. This reporter, who was, who was a Rangers supporter in from Dallas, the Dallas area, responded with no, just a simple no. This is just October, a month and a half ago, October 20th. Then someone else responds, Leah, that's beneath you. And she responds, I don't need to respect cheaters. Cheaters. She's obviously referring to the Alex Cor- Cora Carlos Beltran orchestrated, uh, you know, sign stealing, pitch sign stealing scandal of the 2017 world champion Astros. It is pretty clear that a number of organizations were involved in this, but Astros were, they were made to be the poster boys, $5 million fine and several players were identified as being participatory. Unfortunately, Jose Altuve was not. Jose Altuve actually hit better on the road. We'll be back to
0: discuss. You're listening listening. to Big Angry Law on KPRC 950.
1: When you
0: You the eye. You're just like doing an- it.
1: Creep. This is Charles Adams, Big Ang Radio. Thank you for joining us. When we went to break, we were talking about this new Astros reporter and sports culture reporter for Cron.com, which is loosely associated, apparently, with the Houston Chronicle, as in they're owned by the same company with, in the same building with different staffing. But th- this woman immediately prior, just a few weeks ago in late October, or being hired, she had tweeted about Jose Altuve. Um, Somebody had said it's time to stop hating on Altuve and just appreciate his greatness. She said no. Someone said, Leah, that's beneath you. And she responded with, I don't need to respect cheaters. And that seemed to be her issue, right? That our, our probably most beloved Houston athlete, this probably five foot four, uh, his numbers say, I think five six or five seven, uh, a Venezuelan immigrant who grew up in abject poverty and was told he was too small to play baseball and now is one of the greatest of all time. But more importantly, he also, by all accounts, steadfastly refused to participate in the sign stealing and was one of the few. Now, there are those who say, oh, oh, well, did he stop it? Did he blow the whistle? Well, then he's still a cheater. Of course, that math, with anyone familiar about the sport of baseball, that math doesn't check out. In fact, the Cardinals Center Baseball is cheating to lose. Of course, the Black Sox from the 1920s. Was that 29? I don't remember what season. But the big scandal there, the question surrounding Pete Rose, was he betting on Reds games? I think it was Reds, not Phillies. The uh, when he was in control and you know betting not either to lose or playing not to cover or all the ways you can influence the 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 outcome of a game to win a bet and of course he denies that but we don't know and that was why it was such a significant scandal. Pitchers have been doctoring balls since baseball began. That is cheating. Players know their pit, what their pitchers do, but if they don't blow the whistle, are they cheaters as well? The steroid era involved a great number of people. In fact, the exception to the rule is those who aren't juicing, like the, the great King Griffey Jr. was famously a natural player during the era of big ball, Maguire, Sosa, Conseco, Smash Brothers, where everyone, it seemed, was juicing. Now, were those that didn't choose, but didn't turn people in, were were they cheaters? By all accounts, no. And of course, in the sign-stealing scandal, there were other teams implicated. Of course, Cora went on to the Red Sox, and there was implications that in Beltran, that the Yankees were involved uh, heavily in 2015. You know, who knows? But, the problem is that someone, well, this was my take that got me wildly. Because instead of responding to the DM, someone had sent me the picture of it. I decided to post something on Twitter and I read, it wrote, I wrote, Two months ago, a sports journalist regurgitated low information idiocy, labeling Jose Altuve a cheater. So, of course, the Houston Cron hires her for their B team despite the ill informed, churlish hatred for one of Houston's sports heroes. She will fit right well with the great many there that exude disdain for both Houston and Texas. I look forward to all your forthcoming false fawning I tagged her account, I'm not going to subtweet people, over a man who has overcome more disadvantages than you can imagine and steadfastly refused to participate in Alex Kors' sign stealing. Now, I didn't think that I was beyond the pale there. I thought it was rather even-keeled, and I tried to continue with that in my responses. A lot of people called me ugly names, and, you know, who cares? It's social media. It's Twitter. When you do media, when you have a loud voice, or even a loud local voice, you've got to develop a tough skin. Somebody, one person responded calling her an ugly name, and I immediately responded that that was not called for. But she posted, because now no one is held to account for anything, and the fact that the fan base wants to question why a major publication in this city, although it would be an online one, would hire someone that hates the Astros to cover the Astros, and we're supposed to be happy with it. She initially wrote, I will be deactivating all social media accounts temporarily by the end of the day. I've apologized profusely about my fan-motivated rash comments accusing Altuve of cheating in 2017. And at this point, I'm receiving threats that are dangerous to my mental health. And, of course, anyone threatening a human being, oh, well, it's just stupid. I did not see any of those. She did not publish any. But more importantly, she also didn't apologize. She wrote a lengthy screed explaining herself, but never said, look, I'm sorry, or never said, I don't think he was a cheater, she just parsed and danced and people were not happy with that. Later, she posted that it was the third time that she considered committing suicide. She said she did in grad school. She did when the very famous sports journalist Stephen A. Smith apparently criticized her on his show. And then, and as finally, as the response, the crescendo of those upset by her hiring group. Now, again, You've got to have a thick skin to be in media. Any, If she had a publicist, they would say, hey, you should be happy. Stephen mentioned your name because it raises your profile. But suicidal ideation has to be treated seriously. And if this was the third time the, in this recent, because apparently grad school for her wasn't that long ago, she should be in a hospital if it's true. And we have to accept and treat it like it's true. But if it's not true, it's what we've seen so often nowadays. People weaponize things like suicide to avoid substantive discussions. And while this might seem silly to those of you all not in Houston, I say look at your favorite sports team, or if you're not a sports person, your favorite anything, and think about someone being hired by a local paper that has expressly despises that thing to cover it. Well, people aren't going to be happy. Now, of course, what always happens is Alison Cook, the, the Houston Chronicles food reviewer. She's a critic, right? She is often vituperative and eviscerates people that pour their whole lives into opening a restaurant. I don't read her reviews. I think she's, her prose is absurd and arrogant, and I don't like her takedowns. But she tweeted, I have to wonder if part of the impulse to dogpile and to keep it going, even after an apology and a good faith effort to clear there. Again, she didn't apologize. There was no effort. It was just, no, I'm the victim here. Came from good old fashioned misogyny. Probably felt like some kind of thrill. So that's the whole thing. That. That it's got to be an ism. The Sports reporter Jerome Solomon for the Chronicle wrote, some of y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. This was silly from the get-go. Then turned ugly for no good reason. Root for your damn team, but being abusive, though they're top and uncalled for. Great fans get that. The message for the loud minority. Grow up. But the thing is, people were just irritated that they hired someone that hated the team to cover the team. And I didn't see, I saw one person call an ugly name, and I immediately responded that that wasn't called for. But you can still be credited. It doesn't make her a victim. The appropriate criticism doesn't make someone a victim. And it most certainly shouldn't uh, getting attention on social media if you're in the media shouldn't make you suicidal. You should find another. But it's all but that's the thing, right? We're all victims now. It's just idiocy. We'll be back tomorrow night. Thanks for listening.